Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Full Court Press, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, and 1069thefan.com. Eric France and RJ Salveson, hope you're enjoying your Friday. A uh, lot to get to today. A very full sports weekend that we need to cover, preview, and we need to recap some games yesterday as well. Uh, if you want to be a part of the show, you can always text in at 435-339-0321. Again, that's 435-339-0321, or call in at 435 435- Seven five two one zero six nine. Message and data rates apply uh, per contract of your service. Uh, a lot to get to, like sports wise. But Eric, I, I want to take just the first opening few minutes, and this is something I like to do. Um, I learned it in Salt Lake, and so I, I I did it last year. I'll do it again this year, and I think we did it two years ago as well. Uh, a chance to remember, obviously today, September eleventh. Yes, New York City. Uh, the attacks that were done upon. Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. So the Pentagon and Washington D.C. I and forgive me because I I have such a bad memory, and I'd love to hear from our listeners as well. Uh, The question is, where were you? What were you doing? So on and so forth. Uh, For me, I was a sophomore in high school. Um, We had just gotten done watching film on preparing for Box Elder at Box Elder, and. then we, we, we turned it on to the, to the TV, and you saw this plane go into a building, and I thought it was a movie. Like, I, I on, like seriously, I honestly thought it was a movie. And then I walked out of the, the office where Coach Rod Erickson was, and I just felt different. Like, something didn't feel right. And then, of course, the announcement came for our speaker, our intercom, or whatever that is. Uh, explained to us what had happened, told us to turn off the TVs, to focus on class which was going to be extremely hard to do for a lot of people. Um, and I personally didn't know anybody who was in New York at the time. I didn't know anybody personally who was uh, in the tower or anything like that. Um, but I have friends who say they've had uh, family members or relatives or friends of some sort that were there. Um, and that's that's got to be a harrowing experience. So um, for me personally, uh, thank you to those who have – given their life since then and thank you to those who um have uh you know told us their their story and uh and how they survived and you know what the country means to them and uh and my condolences to those who are now celebrating the anniversary of 19 years of without their loved ones uh whoever they might be that's that's got to be tough that's the toughest thing is those who lost loved ones it's 19 years now and they see it all over the tvs they see it all over the internet they see it everywhere they go um that's got to be tough for them. So, For me, it was the last day of my internship. Uh, technically, actually, it was the second to last day. Um, but uh, it because of everything else that was going on, they're like, okay, yep, you're done. But it was the, the second to last day of my internship. I still went in that day. I was interning uh, with Channel 2, actually, in Salt Lake City. I, couldn't, I had been there like doing my internship for like two months. That day, I, I couldn't get in the building. It was in total lockdown. I, I knew what was going on that morning. My shift was in the afternoon and the evening uh, with the evening newscasts, and I could not get in the building. 
I mean, there's never been a problem before. I would just walk right through, go to where we need to be in the studio, and get everything ready in the in the on this on the set. Um, I <laughs> I had to like do a buzzer. There was a camera. Like, who are you? Like, well, I'm an intern. Well, who do you report to? It was like this crazy thing. Like, oh my gosh, I can't even get in the get in this building where I've been here for like two months. Coming almost every day. Uh, so it was really weird because everybody was on such heightened alert because we didn't know. I mean, are there going to be more attacks? Are they going to hit other locations? Media outlets were really concerned because they could be a, a potential target. Um, it was a really crazy day. Uh, I got woken up, um, got a phone call from from my parents saying, hey, you got to turn on the TV. We're under attack. I'm like, what are you talking about? Pulled me out of sleep, turned it on, and I couldn't move from the TV until I knew I needed to get to the station because I knew they were going to need extra hands with everything going on. Turns out I was an afterthought. They didn't care about the interns. Um, and then uh, <laughs> it's just talking to the, my superiors there and like, do I come back for my last day? And they're like, you know what? It's going to be so crazy around here for the next who knows how long. You're done. Don't worry about it. Go home. But that that night... Um, being in a news station in that environment was surreal. Just trying to make sense of all the news that was coming in, what was uh, you know trying to stay on top of things, what were how were locals reacting to it? Um, crazy, crazy day, uh, and it, it blows my mind. Next year it'll be twenty years, and it just doesn't seem like it's been that long ago. I had the opportunity a year and a half ago almost two years ago, to visit a 9-11 memorial in New York City. Oh, that's cool. And we saw several different things when, while we were in New York. It was just my wife and I. We saw several different things, but by far, that was the thing that we refer to the most, going there. Uh, and uh, it, it's not like it was enjoyable and, hey, that was cool. Let's take the kids. That'll be fun. But it was impactful. The way that it was structured, the way that you experience it, the way that you see how things were in New York, uh, just crazy, crazy. Yeah, again, it's crazy as what you said. It, it'll be 20 years next year. That's, that's amazing. Still feels like yesterday for so many of us. So, again, thank you to all those who have served our country and uh, protected us since then and, uh, and, for, and before that, I should say. Uh, thanks to those who have... Uh, Continually led us, and uh, again, condolences to those who are uh, mourning on this day for losing a friend or a loved one um, in that incident. That's that's tragic, to say the least. So, uh, All right, Eric, uh, sports. We got a lot of it. A lot of sports going on. NBA recap from last night's game, Lakers-Rockets. It seems like the Lakers have figured out the Rockets offensively, and that is a bad, bad thing for the Rockets. Uh, it, it, we had a very ironic thing where a guy named House has been evicted from his hotel. <laughs> He's just getting an early start on his locker cleanup. Boy, he sure is. Uh, we'll get to that in just a bit. Uh, Region 11 gets into Region 11 play. Uh, some big games today. A couple of trap games that I want to get to. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that and what it could lead up to a very, very imperative, important showdown next Friday night that uh, I think the Valley will be keeping all their eyes on. Uh, NFL started last night. 
didn't go so well for one team, and boy, another team looks like they are just in midseason form. We'll get to this weekend's games, especially a key one in uh, in New Orleans in about 225 Mountain Time. You'll hear that game on this very station. College football starts this weekend. So, again, a lot to get to, and we're grateful to have you be a part of the show, however and wherever you are joining us from here on 106 NFM, 1390 AM, and 1069thefan.com. Hey, let's start with last night's game, Eric. Uh, Rockets. Uh, looking to trying to get back on to get the ship righted, if you will. Uh, playing uh, the LA Lakers are down two games to one. Westbrook wasn't. Westbrook just took himself out of a game or took his team out of a game in game two, or is that game three? Sorry, it was, so it's three one. So is that game three? Uh, three games. Uh, oh, it's it? game two, really. Okay, dude, I I still struggle with that. I just want you to know he wasn't too bad in game three. No. Uh, final score: Lakers one ten, Houston Rockets one hundred. And it wasn't really that close. No, it no heavens, no, it wasn't. Uh, Morris Davis, James Green, and KCP are the starters for the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, lineup change. They started the the Lakers decided to start Morris, uh, which was an interesting change. Uh, and, you know, Kuzma came off the bench. Um, uh, Rondo continues to resurrect his old self, uh, and uh, they didn't even play Dwight Howard. So it was interesting how the uh, the Lakers kind of changed things up. They didn't even play JaVale McGee either. So they, they tweaked their lineup a little bit. And it worked. And, and it worked. And I, I got to be honest, I don't like the Lakers as a, as a team, not because I don't think they're a good basketball team. They just I don't like some of the attitudes of some of the guys that are there. But that is a franchise that is figuring things out and making adjustments, and they continue to get better and better the deeper they go into these playoffs so far. Davis had 29 points, 12 boards. LeBron James finishes one assist shy of a triple-double. And as you mentioned, Eric, it was vintage Rondo. This is Boston Celtics 2009, Raja Rondo. In 29 minutes, the uh, the old veteran had 11 points, 10 boards, 8 assists, 2 steals. He did have 3 turnovers. I think 2 steals were not his fault, though. Alex Caruso, six, the uh, White Mamba, had 16 points in 30 minutes on 5-9 five five shooting. Every starter for the Lakers, except one, that being Morris, scoring double figures. Again, Davis had 29, James had 16, uh, Green had 10, as did KCP. James also finished with 15 boards and 9 assists. On the other side, Tucker Covington, Westbrook, Gordon Harden were your starters, and Westbrook, Gordon, and Harden finishing double figures, but all of them, well, actually, two of the three of those finished in the minus category. 25 points for Westbrook in 41 minutes. He was 8 of 16 from the field, 3 of 8 from deep. He also had three assists and three boards. Harden had 21 points. He was 2 of 11 from the field, 1 of 6 from deep. He also had 10 assists and 4 boards. And then Eric Gordon had 19 uh, in the losing cause. P.J. Tucker, who starts in 33 minutes, doesn't score a point. He went 0 of 4 from the field, 0 of 2 from deep. Had no assists, no steals, and 3 boards. Just not a good night for him. Robert Cummington with only 3 points, 24 minutes. He was 1 of 2 from the field. Eric... That kind of bent, or excuse me, that kind of starting production from especially two starters to combine for three points doesn't do you like any good against a quality starting lineup like the Los Angeles Lakers. Well, it just the the Lakers have amped up their defense. Yeah, and they're they're really getting after it. Russell Westbrook, as we've talked about, he's kind of hot and cold. He. He sometimes makes his own shot because of how he can attack the rim and get to the free throw line sometimes. But 
And we kind of know what he is and what he's going to do. But what's really blows my mind is James Harden. I mean, since the fourth quarter, or at least since the second half in game three, he has been ice cold. His own, most of his points are only coming at the free throw line. He, 16 of his 21 points were at the free throw line last night. He was 2 of 11. If you're going to be this MVP guy, if you're going to be this gamer, you're this alpha, this this guy that's going to take your team to the promised land, you, you can't go 2 for 11 uh, in, in a game that's super critical and a chance to even it up or, or go down in a real deep hole. Um, Harden has really struggled in the last game and a half against the Lakers. Yeah, Harden is... Con- in fact, I think, like I said, and you mentioned this as well. He's shying away. Though, yeah, and well, the Lakers have figured out after the second half of game two, they figured out how to play defense on the Rockets. What you do is you make them, you guard like crazy on the perimeter, and you make him go to the hole and have to go against Anthony Davis, go against LeBron James, go against JaVale McGee or I mean, their other big men. I know JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard didn't play last yesterday, but even KCP is a force underneath. And they decide to take away anything on the perimeter and make him go to the hole and, and challenge him at the basket. And it worked to perfection. It worked so well. It made James Harden extremely uncomfortable because you know Harden lives and breathes and dies outside the three-point line. All night, every night. That's what he does. Russell Westbrook does like to create, um, but if he has an open look, he's going to take it from the perimeter. He didn't have any open looks last night. I mean, they were taking everything away from him. And that might explain why P.J. Tucker was not... At all productive because PJ Tucker likes to live in the corner, right? When James Harden gets that double finally, he can go to the rim, find PJ Tucker in the left or right corner, and let him take a three. But again, all that was taken away last night. Uh, they were put into a very uncomfortable position where the Houston Rockets offense was, and this is this is your result: one ten one hundred. And again, as you mentioned at the start, wasn't even that close. I mean, the Rockets made a push in the in that fourth quarter to try to to close it and, and come back on it, but um, the the Lakers made some key plays to kind of hold them at bay. But the real story of this game was the second quarter. Uh, yeah. The Lakers outscored them thirty one to nineteen. They just totally dominated them offensively and then limited Houston defensively. Uh, you know, Houston, their style teams. They can be so so dangerous with their style of play that teams try to match that small ball with who they have, and it it, it changes fundamentally most of these teams who they are and how they operate. So Houston has an advantage. The Lakers kind of tried that. Uh, Frank Vogel has said, "Yeah, we've experimented with smaller lineups periodically through the the, the season," but I think the Lakers have just dialed in more with who they are and. They know that uh, they've got some incredible skill guys that are that are pretty big that can do some things that Houston just cannot match. So it's play to your strengths. Uh, yes, you have to try to adapt a little bit to your opponent, but in the end, play to what you're the best at. And Houston can't compete with what the Lakers are best at. And I think that's what it came down to and has come down to in this series. Uh, by the way, News came out, speaking of the Rockets, as you probably already heard <laughs> at the top of our hour, uh, Mr. Daniel House had a unwelcome guest in, into his hotel room, and because of that, 
Mr. Daniel House is now going home to his house. Uh, the NBA released a following statement, quote, the NBA has concluded its investigation of a recent violation of campus health and safety protocols. The findings are that one, Houston Rockets forward Daniel House had a guest in his hotel room over multiple hours on September 8th who is not authorized to be on campus, and two, no evidence was found that other players or staff had contact with the guest or were involved in this incident. Mr. House is leaving the NBA and or excuse me, the NBA campus, and will not participate with the Rockets team in the additional games this season. If you want to cross out that final line, will not participate in the Rockets' exit interview with the LA Lakers <laughs> tomorrow night. Well, uh, so it, it adds some clarity, because earlier there were reports that this was a, a, a test worker who was already on campus, was regularly on campus uh, doing COVID testing. Um, but now it adds some clarity that she... She came from outside of the campus, and as we know, it's a big no-no, um, and uh, he's going home. So uh, <laughs> that's it's just so ironic. It, it though, surprises man. me that you know what you over the last couple of weeks here, you've had an opportunity to bring someone in. You've had the opportunity to bring in a loved one or someone of relations that you've been missing for the last couple of months. So there shouldn't be a need to bring someone in from the outside that hasn't already been cleared. This but, mind boggles me. Someone would be uh, that dumb to do maybe it. Maybe he just doesn't have that special someone, and he's been looking for a while. <laughs> <laughs> he's getting his magic chicken wings. Uh, <laughs> hey, really quickly before we move on to the Nuggets Clippers game, which begins in twelve to fifteen minutes, and then of course Game Seven tonight, dandy one should be. Kyle Lowry and the Toronto Raptors versus uh, Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics. Both teams' legs are absolute jello at this point. If you wanna, if you wanna be honest here, are, are you surprised the time, the, uh, the the tip times for these games? No, I can't. In fact, so when I asked you earlier what time is the Raptors game, you said it's probably the earlier game, and I was like, Game Seven between those two teams? No way. That's your prime time game right there, folks. Only because it's still later in the East Coast. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if, if you're in Los Angeles, yeah. the Clippers are going to tip off at 3.30. But, so it's, I mean, it's a closeout rest, game for them. But went the okay, and even but I agree, Clippers the Celtics-Raptors, then that is a bigger game. Yeah. That's 9 o'clock Eastern. But I just thought the Eastern team would go earlier but some pre-nba slash college draft uh college yeah draft workout information is coming out want to get to that just really quickly before we get back to the nba uh and their playoff games first of all john rothstein is reporting several conferences in college basketball are planning important calls and meetings for next thursday now remember eric the division one council's decision for a start date is wednesday yeah, the Division One Council uh, is supposed to make some important decisions regarding winter sports, men's and women's basketball, uh, football in the winter or the spring, and other winter and spring sports. So a lot could could uh, could come as a result of these decisions that are being made or proposals that are being made on September 16th, and it, it definitely affects when college basketball could could get going. And what's that going to look like? Yeah. Uh, and so, of course, Shams is reporting that the NBA is planning their, for a draft com combine process beginning later this month with two parts. 
In mid-September to early October, it will be an in-market medicals and on-court virtual interviews. Mid-October to the draft date, which will be around November 18th, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, they pushed that back. Is in-person interviews with no workout. So it's going to be a completely different way to evaluate and look at players. Dennis Lindsay mentioned in his Media X interview that it's a really... It's, it's more difficult because you gain so much, and I believe NFL coaches and GMs also communicated on this. It's so much more difficult to be able to f- ga- to gauge a person of, you know, demeanor, personality, behavior, so on and so forth on a, like a Zoom interview. When instead, you when in person, you can have these very up-close and personal conversations, ask personal questions, so on and so forth. It's just different. Well, and the big thing for these... Uh, you know the way that these workouts have worked out in the past in the NBA, you can have somebody that you're interested in, somebody else that you're kind of interested in, but you'll you'll invite a player in, and then you'll bring in somebody that's maybe you're not like really going to pursue, but you think that that person's going to you want to see how your main guy is going to react to this other type of player in a one-on-one situation or in a couple of sets. So you want to put them in different scenarios. And uh, run them up against some guys that uh, we know we're not going to get a chance to get this guy, or we really don't think he's going to be the one we like. But we like how he plays this style, and we want to see how our guy deals with that. Uh, and the personal workout is what the Jazz found out about Donovan Mitchell. Uh, it was through the personal workout that they realized this is somebody we have to have, and everybody's got to have a. Uh, non-disclosure, you cannot talk about this. And I don't think that the Jazz would have, they may not have drafted Donovan if they didn't have, if they would not have had that personal draft workout. Yeah. No, yeah. Because you can put them through different drills and say, okay, do this. Okay, now do this. Now react to this. And you can continue to throw things at them and kind of see where their limits are to see how well they can adapt and absorb information. Um, and that's hard to do just looking at tape sometimes and just relying on a Zoom interview when you can't work them out in your facility against sometimes your guys and just to see how they react and um, how, what their body language is. Now, Adrian Wojnarowski is now reporting he's of ESPN. There is still no clarity on when the 2020-21 NBA season will start, but the league has told teams to expect an eight-week advance notice of a proposed opening night of the season. Now, we've heard that the season most likely will not start any time before Christmas Day. They said before Christmas Day. I still have the gut feeling that they will have opening night or at least a series of games on opening night, which would be on Christmas Day. Yeah, it's looking more likely that the NBA is going to be starting on Christmas Day. There was some earlier thought that you know started in December to try not to screw up the following year's calendar too bad, but I think that they're 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 just trying to make sure they get a season in next year. Period, and so they want to make sure they get all their ducks in a row. Make sure teams have enough downtime in between. Make sure they can properly do free agency, properly do a draft, uh, and so it looks more likely that uh, uh, December twenty fifth. Is uh is going to be your your start to the NBA calendar? The real question is, does that become the new normal for the NBA? Yeah, it's, it's a been good something question. that's been kicked around for a while, but that that causes problems for other things. Like if the if that happens, they're going to be playing games through the summer next year, 
And that eliminates any NBA player from participating in the Olympics. Oh. Okay, so wait. So the other solution to be would be shorten the season, right? Do you play 60 games? Or is that shortening it too much? Or 50 games? <sighs> I think they're going to try to do a full season, but I don't Dude, know. That's too tough. Uh, uh, you, then in you that wanna, case, it is the new norm. If you want to try to get back onto a regular calendar, you'll have to shorten the season somehow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. That's, you do a home that's and home asking too much from uh, the other conference, uh, and then you play everybody in your division a home and home, um, and then uh, I don't know, maybe because there's sometimes in the in the Western Conference you play teams three times. Maybe they just limit it to just home and home. You, be, you play one game at your place, one game at their place, no matter who the team is, no matter what the conference is. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Do you think that there will be fans at the NBA games? I think that there may be some season? arenas that will limit it. Uh, some may not allow it, but I don't think it'll be full full fans in the stands. It was weird looking at Arrowhead Stadium last night. Like a place that is just, it's one of the toughest places to play in the NFL. And just to see sporadic of fans here, there, upper deck, it was just odd. It didn't look right. It didn't feel right. Uh, and by the way, the NBA is still tentatively targeting a November 18th draft date, but that date could still move. Plans continue to send around a virtual draft setting that would allow teams to have war rooms at their facilities. You know, the NFL did it right. Like, I thought they did a good job. Copy that as much as you possibly can. I think that might be the best idea. Yeah, well, I mean, these are big. Football arenas are big. You can spread people out and still yeah. have a couple thousand people, you know, several thousand people there in the arena. But it, it still didn't have the same feel. They had to still no, pipe in some crowd noise and things like that. But um, it, it was better than what we saw last Monday when BYU played at Navy and there was nobody there. Yeah, that felt it weird. It just felt really weird, Especially really quiet. At Navy. It just was really odd. Hey, so really quickly, I don't mean to jump the train here just sporadically, but does BYU got Army now? Because they have a bye week, is that right? And they yeah, play BYU, Army. Uh, if I remember correctly, BYU does not play this weekend, but they play next, and they do play Army. That's going to be a tougher task because Army is not only had they'll have two games underneath their belt, but they'll have actually practiced hitting and tackling <laughs> they'll actually and stuff do too. tackling. So drills. this won't be Madden on rookie mode for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> jeez. All right, let's pour take some a- cold water on those BYU fans who are all oh my gosh in a dither. I, uh, <laughs> they're going to be so awesome. National championship, here we come. We're going to the I playoffs. Okay, I'm telling you right now, book it. If they go undefeated this season, they beat Army in Houston, expect to hear it. Oh, we'll hear it, but they won't go. They won't go to the playoffs. No, but they, they won't go, but I'm telling you, like if Clemson has one loss, Alabama has one loss, LSU, Georgia, and all these powerhouse teams all have one or two losses, and BYU's undefeated, Despite Alabama's loss being to LSU, or despite Clemson's loss being to Notre Dame, just know that you're going to hear BYU's 8-0 record versus Army, Navy, Houston, Liberty, UMass, uh, Troy, that it is qualified to be in the college football playoff. Can't wait. I'm so excited for that. Maybe we'll, <laughs> you know what, maybe we'll do a full Dedicated to BYU football show. Maybe we should put BYU football games on this station. You know what? We don't. Eric, you just 
Oh, jeez. <laughs> Don't give me that stupid grin either, because I know where you're going with that. <laughs> We're going to cover the Cougars. <laughs> they're, they're, they're playing games. Benjamin Criddle is, uh, is going to be joining our show. Greg Rebell. Hey, uh, another quick update about the NBA. Yeah, uh, Shams is dropping a lot of stuff on us on the news. Him and Woj is going Friday at afternoon. it. Yeah, uh, the NBA has informed teams that for the 2020-21 season, it prefers in-market competition with an amount of fans and reduced travel instead of current bubble structures. Wait, what is in-market competition? Sorry, I'm not comprehending that well. So no bubble. So you play games at your home okay. arenas, um, but. Reduced travel, that's what I'm curious about. Um, probably it would be a, a limit the number of games that you play. Oh. Uh, and maybe they do it so that um, if you're an East Coast team, you come out and you hit a couple of, of – you do like a road trip, hit a couple t- uh, spots, go back, and then later you hit a couple others, go back. Uh, but you you don't not going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth a lot. So is that possible though? I mean, they already do kind of you know, different East Coast road trips and whatnot yeah. for the Jazz, but maybe it's just more even more consolidated. So I don't know. Maybe that means that, like we talked about, they don't play as many games. And, and maybe maybe you don't play every team. I, I think it'd be hard to do that, but. Maybe there are situations where the Jazz don't play the Boston Celtics or the Toronto Raptors because they're so far away. So they need another two games to make that up, right? To make their 82-game schedule. Well, I don't think they do an 82-game schedule. Hmm. The league is aiming for an 82-game schedule, according to Shams. But he says that is still very much fluid. I would say so. (laughs) All right, uh, let's take a break. Coming back, we'll preview... uh, a game that is about to hit tip-off here in just a few minutes, Clippers and Nuggets. And then, of course, we'll preview tonight's game, Celtics-Raptors. Game 7, winner gets the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. Full Court Press, more next. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. Sorry, I was kind of getting sick of the old music, so I had to change it. Uh, Eric France and Ajay Salveson is the Full Court Press. 106 and FM, 1390 AM, and 1069thefan.com. Thanks for joining us and participating in our show, however and wherever you're doing so. Hope you're having a good Friday. Uh, Eric, Nuggets Clippers here tip off in just a few minutes. This one looks like to be a gentleman's sweep. Clippers up three games to one right now. I felt like the Clippers got the Nuggets' best punch when they were... When the Clippers were up 18, Nuggets came back, tied at 48. About, I mean, a minute and a half later, Clippers go on this insane run where they shut down the Nuggets offense for four minutes, about, give or take, and go on a 21-5 to run to put it away. Uh, Kawhi Leonard was sensational. He had 30 points, 11 boards, 9 assists, 4 steals. And the Clippers never trailed in the game. I feel like that was Nuggets' best punch to give. Uh, and I don't feel like this is the same... This is this Clippers team is not the Utah Jazz. This is a much different, hungrier team. Uh, they smell blood in the water. The franchise has never been to the Western Conference Finals in its history, so they want to get there. That's their goal to get there. That was their expectation to get there, and I think they take care of business today. What do you see? What are your keys? What are you looking for here? Well, obviously, uh, the key here is uh, getting the ball more to Michael Porter Jr. in the second oh, half. Oh, yeah, geez, my goodness gracious. 
Well, I mean, he was effective in the first half. Uh, don't. Never touched the ball in the second, so. There's a reason why. Again, Eric. <laughs> you're Okay, so are you that guy? Are you the church ball guy or the pickup ball guy who doesn't play defense on it's one like, hand? come on, I got a hot hand. Screams, the, screams for the ball. Give me the ball. Keep feeding me. White chocolate. Uh, yeah. Ultimately, you win the game by scoring more points than the other team, so <laughs> give it to the guy who's going to give you offense. Hey, uh, and, but, you know, let's start there. Is, uh, Michael Porter Jr. sees minutes reduced, or does he see less touches? I mean, nah, nothing will change there. I think they'll give him a talking to and an ex- and explaining uh, of uh, just, hey, you know, this is this is what we do. This is why we do it. You can help this team by helping us execute this. Um, whether he falls in line with that or not is up to him. But I think the real key is whether or not Jamal Murray will get himself going. Yeah, The Clippers have been very effective at not allowing him to get in rhythm and get any kind of momentum. If well, he can manufacture a way to do that, they might survive for another game. Well, the thing is what they're doing is what the Clippers are doing to Jamal Murray is they're sending a backside defender to double every time. And it's one thing to send a backside defender. It's another thing to be that second defender be Beverly, Paul George, or Kawhi Leonard. Then you're, I mean, then it's just a monster to deal with. Uh, he was limited to, what, 6 of 15 shooting. He had 18 points, 7 assists for Denver. But, again, he, he's just exhausted himself on the offensive end. because And he had to work really hard, really hard for that. For, Most of it came yeah. all in the second half. Yeah. Uh, and he's not getting the calls. I feel like that he got against Utah. I mean, he goes to the hole sometimes and does draw contact and I, doesn't get those yeah, calls. I can, yes, I can believe that as well. And, you know, Michael Malone's whining, we don't get the calls. Well, you don't play a style of basketball that yeah. lends itself to getting the calls. When your big center is flailing about like a dying fish on the shore, I mean, it's hard to always think, is he really suffocating over there or is he just acting? So I, I think that part of it is just their style of play. Uh, they're, they're not a tough team. They're not an aggressive attack the rim all the time, force the refs to make a call type of team. So, uh, but they did change a little bit against the Jazz when it their uh, their playoff season was on the line. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what kind of adjustments they make today. I and mean, that's just tipping off here just a, any minute now. By the way, the Nuggets, after their... Uh the Nuggets actually so far, sorry, in this series combined, Eric, they're shooting 39% from the field. Currently right now. 39% from the field. Uh, again, it's just, and it's not really bashing by the Nuggets as much as just great defense by the Clippers. The Clippers will eat you alive defensively, and they'll make you, as you said, work for every single bucket you get. None of it will come easy. You aren't going to get a lot of open looks. You'll get very few of them. Uh, but and if you go to the hole, expect to have... Kawhi's hand, PG-13, Lou, Beverly, Montrez, Harrell. You're going to have just a cluster of dinosaurs right there. And uh, as we've seen, their defense, the Clippers' defense, is much more and far superior than the Denver Nuggets' offense. And that's what's really frustrated Denver offensively so much. On the other side of the ball, though, Eric, I feel like we're not giving enough credit to what Kawhi Leonard's doing offensively. He's just been on terror. Well, and, and even Paul George has elevated his game. Yeah. Uh, or he is effective, his shot's going down better, uh, he just seems to be more connected to what's going on offensively for the Clippers than he did in their first round. Um, they, they've got a lot of guys they can throw at you. Montrezl Harrell, I mean, man, that guy, he's, he f- gets up in the air and you don't think he's going to be able to do anything, and somehow he positions himself to flip it in there. 
Uh, and so just aggressive, attacking the basket, making things work. That's that's what that Clippers team's about. All right, Eric, let's hear it. Got a prediction for this game as it is uh, already hit tip-off now? Uh, I think it'll be Clippers by 10. I think they close it out. And I don't, it'll feel like it's not that close. Denver will try to make a game of it late, but I think the Clippers will do what the Jazz were unable to do and close it out in game five. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think you got it, gentlemen. I think this thing's taken care of. I, I, I don't look the lake. What the Lakers are doing right now tells you one thing: they're going to finish off their series. That's what they're going to do. So the Clippers want to follow suit, so they have plenty. They have equal to or the amount of rest that they need to be ready uh, for the Western Conference Finals, a much anticipated Western Conference Finals. As you got Anthony Davis and LeBron James versus Kawhi Leonard in PG thirteen. Uh, in Florida, I wish that that's one series I wish was in LA. That's one series I really wish was in LA. That'd be so much fun. Uh, all right, Eric. Uh, well, Boston, what about the later one? Yeah, Boston, Boston was Boston was up two Toronto. games to none. Things were looking great and rosy. This series was predicted to go six. Some said seven, and then Boston found themselves in front. Toronto made a comeback, and then in Game Three, this happened. Back here, Marcus Smart's going to stay up high, taking anybody coming to the ball. Series on the line, Ananobi got it off, and it goes! Did it count is the question! It did count, 104-103 was your final. Boston then led the series two games to one. No big deal, right? You're still on front, you still got a better team, you should be alright. Then a hangover occurred for Boston, and they lose game four. So now you're tied at two apiece. Boston trounces Toronto in game five, uh, and everyone said, okay, well, we're back to the world is right again. Kyle Lowry and the squad then just gritted out in game six in the double overtime win behind Kyle Lowry's spectacular 39 points, and now we go to a game seven tonight. This is everything expected and that everybody wanted it to be between these two very, uh, I would say, veteran squads, but also uh, heavyweight teams in the Eastern Conference. Eric. I think for Boston... If they're going to close this out, I think a lot of it is on Kemba Walker's shoulders. Uh, what Ooh, was that's he? tough to ask. Too. Two of eleven in Game Six. He played fifty-two minutes and he only got a two shots. He only excuse me, he only made two shots. I mean, that's your starting point guard. This is a guy that's been in the league for a while. Uh, they need him to come through. Uh, if they're going to win the series, if Kemba Walker has a good game, a, a normal Kemba Walker game. Because uh, Jalen Brown is is playing above his weight. Uh, Marcus Smart has been hitting above his weight. Jason Tatum uh, doing what he normally does. But uh, for, for this Boston Celtics team to close this out, it, I think it's really going to be more on Campbell Walker than anybody else. For Toronto, uh, the well, the question for both teams really is, who got the most rest? Who managed their time off the best? So who's going to have gas in the tank tonight? after a marathon game two nights ago. And so for Toronto, it's uh, how well will they manage their bench? Will they be able to get some help so Kyle Lowry can take a breather once in a while? Because he did not sit at all in the second half or overtime. So you know what can Fred Van Vliet do to give Kyle Lowry a break? Well, speaking of not sitting, remember Brad Stevens, his final substitution came with 25.3 left in the third quarter. That was subbing in Thice and Kemba Walker. He didn't make a substitution the rest of the night, and that game went into double overtime. 
So it, it's more of who's got more fatigue, who can last a little bit longer. Last man standing match tonight in Game 7. And expect it to be physical, too. The hope I have for this game, Eric, and we've talked about it before, let the players decide the game. Stay yes. the heck out of the way. The, the referees have not been great, especially in the Eastern Conference. Oh, boy, and they've been hearing it, too. In well, the semifinals. NBA's been hearing it. So, I agree. I, let them play. Let them decide their own fate. Um, in the end, I think it is Boston who gets to win. I think they've been, even though this is a game seven, which you could argue it's been anybody's series, I think that Boston has been more in control than Toronto has been. So, I think this is Boston's series to win, Toronto's to lose. Ooh. Okay, so who wins Game 7 tonight? Then you have Boston? Yes, I, I just said this is Boston's okay. series to well, win. Okay, Sorry. we said, I mean, I just... Sorry, I wasn't very clear. Yes, I th I'm picking Boston tonight, but I think it'll be close. I, I think it'll be less than five points. Uh, yeah, I, I have Boston. Um, I don't know why I have Boston either. I can't give you a good reason why I have Boston. Talent-wise, they're better on this court, but right now all the momentum is sitting on the Raptors' side. All of it. Like, the Raptors were down in this series, and they were left dead in the water. Down 0-2 in this series. They get a they get a, a lucky three, if you want to call it that, on a great pass from Kyle Lowry. And they and then they're down 2-1. They clawed a 2-2. Then they get trounced in Game 5 um, and have to scrap for every minute of it in Game 6 in double overtime just to bring it to a Game 7. But still, I think they have an insane amount of confidence, but... Again, so did the Utah Jazz when they were up three games to one. We saw how that went. Yep. So it could be a dangerous one. That game will be at 7 p.m. tonight. That will be on TNT. Boston Celtics, Toronto Raptors, Game 7. Winner gets the Miami Heat in game uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Game 1 would be Sunday. If I'm not mistaken, they're going every other day with this. So not only do you have to play Game 7 tonight and duke it out with your, uh, with, uh, your nemesis, but then you have to turn around. Clean up, rest up, go through a walkthrough and film and get ready for Miami, who's been sitting on their wonderful, comfy hotel couches waiting for you. That's that's tough to do. And I think we saw with the Nuggets after they went through a brutal series with Utah how exhausting it can be to turn around and go face a team who has been resting forever how long. By the way, we had some questions about Michael Malone. Oh, okay. And Michael Porter Jr.'s comments. Yeah. Here's a, here's a comment from uh, Coach Malone. Okay. Obviously, during the playoffs, the last thing you want is any type of a distraction. It is much better to keep those conversations internal, in the locker room, and amongst ourselves. Close quote. He's not happy. Nor should he be. Why I, would you say yeah. that? Like, look, and, and he probably is right. He has been an efficient scorer, though he sucks on defense. But you, And especially if you're a rookie especially if you're a rookie and you watch Jamal Murray and Jokic duking it out with the rest of the Clippers offense, you can't go out there and be like, well, I'm not getting enough touches. I wish I'd be able to touch the ball more. You know, Jamal Murray's shooting it a lot. Jokic is shooting it more. I should be able to shoot it. I'm a rookie. And that's the thing is, he did, like, and when the reporter asked him the question of what gives you, you feel like, the stance that you can be able to say these things, well, I've played starter minutes. I bet you Murray and Jokic punched a hole through a wall. <laughs> They're like, excuse, excuse me, I baking powder? <laughs> really? He's, he's played well in the bubble. And Holy he's, crap. He's gotten a big ego over it. Um, bit of a reality check, I think, after the game with conversations with his coach and the rest of his team. Hey, we're going to go to break here in just a moment. I got to read you this, though. Uh, Bleacher Report came out with uh, 
uh, must-trades for teams to be able to get better who are out of the playoffs right now. Listen to this one. Boston Celtics would receive power forward Tobias Harris in the 2021 first-round lottery-protected pick. That'd be via the 76ers. The 76ers would receive Mike Conley. The Utah Jazz would get, wait for it, Gordon Hayward. <laughs> they say the only <laughs> they say Hayward's return to the Jazz would give the team another playmaker and score besides Donovan Mitchell, whose 36.5 points per game weren't still enough to get Utah into the second round. Swapping Harris for Conley would be a huge money saver for the Sixers, who would avoid the final four years of his deal and land a veteran point guard to run things if Ben Simmons stays at the power forward. And Boston Celtics take on long-term salary, but the Celtics would get uh, would create enough space to help with the massive Jason Tatum extension that they're going to be signing here within the next year to two. Yeah, I no don't think that'll happen. Freaking way! Does the Jazz say, "Hey, Gordon, listen, know that yeah, you still have that 128 million dollar contract that's still on the table thanks to your horrible GM over there in Boston, but." We'd love to take, even though you left us out to dry. That'd be great. Oh my goodness! Yeah, never mind all that bad blood from the way you left us. Yeah, and what? I mean, what do you think the crowd's gonna do? Like, hey, welcome back, Gordon. It's good to see ya. Yeah, that that that's not going to happen. There is no way. Why would? Okay, let me ask you something here. What would be harder? Would it be the Jazz needing to? Would it be the Jazz needing to, or not Jazz, Celtics needing to give away Gordon Hayward, or would it be not wanting to give away Gordon Hayward? Would they depart with Gordon Hayward because they want to, or because they have to? Um, I, I think they would want to because he has not been anything what they hoped he would be. And some of it's just not his fault. I mean, he's just had several different injuries then the leg then there was the wrist and then he rolled his ankle and there was a fractured finger or something like that right yeah so i mean they've dumped a lot of money into this guy he's come nowhere close to delivering what they'd hoped that he would and they're just saddled with his salary and meanwhile they've got a lot of young studs that they want to try to keep so i think that they there is a there would be a big temptation in boston to try to move him all right, we got to take a long extended break as we get you ready for the second hour already, Eric. We're rolling up here on the second hour of the Full Court Press. When we come back, we'll wrap it up with the first hour. Second hour includes uh, college football, a preview of what the weekend's going to look like. NFL football, a preview of what the weekend's going to look like, including some great games. And Region 11 football also gets into action tonight in region play. A couple of good games, trap games included. That's all coming up here on the Full Court Press. On the fan. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and A.J. Selvison. If they had a better quarterback, they're probably Super Bowl if champions. They had, Jimmy I mean, Garoppolo's Jimmy, not a good quarterback? Kyle Shanahan clearly does not believe in the 49ers. Last year in the Super Bowl, when they needed to throw it, he didn't throw it because Jimmy G can't. He That's overthrew. Not, that wasn't why he didn't throw it. It's because Kyle Shanahan gets in his own way. Devontae Freeman with Atlanta when Kyle Shanahan, by the way, was the offensive coordinator, and they were supposed to what? Run it? And they decided to throw it? Kyle Shanahan's one of the best offensive no, players in the NFL. Not. Yes, he is. Nikes, I'm going to swear. Weekdays from 4 to 6, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan, the new home for the full court press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.
Eric France and LJ Salveson here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for joining us, however and wherever you're doing so, for hour number one, hour number two coming up shortly here. We'll get into college football, NFL football, and high school football. A lot of football over the weekend, and uh, we're excited to preview it all for you. Uh, if you have missed any of our previous shows, you can go on to 106andthefan.com. Just click on the podcast, and you'll find all of it. You can go on to our podcast platform of Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. Type in Eric's name, my name, or the Full Court Press, and you'll... Those are all updated? Yep, those Correct. are all updated. Why? Well, I just noticed earlier in the week that the last thing that was on there was from September 4th. Shut up. Don't. Are you serious? When did you look? Uh, two days ago. Okay. No, that's not right. That I've updated. I think I forgot to post the one where I was gone on Tuesday. That's the one show I'm pulling I it up right now. I missed Tuesday's show. I know no, that. No, it's for- on there. Yeah, you're good. But I missed Tuesday's show. There's I don't tenth, think I've- there's the ninth. Then there's the fourth. So it was the fourth because the fourth was a Friday, right? So it was from the fourth to the ninth. Yeah, fourth, fifth, sixth, 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 <laughs> seventh. Did we we didn't have a show on the seventh because it was Labor Day. Oh, we, maybe. Yeah, they, okay. Labor, Labor Day was Monday, so we didn't have a show. At least you told me we didn't have a show. <laughs> no, we didn't have a show. Uh, Tuesday, I was gone. I forgot to post that show, and Wednesday, we posted it. Okay, so we just need to get Tuesday's show on there. Yeah. Jeez, calm down. Okay. Also, the, uh, the, the, the podcast from Ethan Dursteller with Spencer Cox is on there, too. Yeah. You gotta go find that. Yeah, we're gonna tag that. We're gonna put those on there. His next interview will be with uh, another good guest who, uh, well, some will like him, some won't, but we'll have him on there. He'll anyway. talk to some person, and it'll be an interview <laughs> that'll be recorded Shut up. with microphones <laughs> and placed online. Hey, by the way, Jimbo for later Sli- listening, Jimbo Slice during the offseason, he's even really good. Uh, everyone on the Utah Jazz was 13 years old or younger on 9-11-01. Tony Bradley was three. In unrelated news, Derek Fisher lied to three teams <laughs> to get out of his contract. God, I miss that guy. Oh, oh he's so good. All right, let's let's uh, let's go ahead and close it up for the first. I'll get you for number number two, football hour. You need help. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. As strange as this NFL season already is, it was business as usual for the Chiefs last night. They picked up right where they left off with an impressive 34-20 win over the Texans. The only differences were the impressive rookie running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and the fact that Coach Andy Reid was wearing a fogged-over face shield. We're not sure what Coach could and could not see, but it was all good for Kansas City and all bad for Houston. The Texans looked lost offensively without their star receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, who they traded in the offseason. Their defense had no answers. It was a statement win for the Chiefs. They're the biggest favorites to win the Super Bowl again. But when you actually see them beat a team in so many different ways, it's a reminder of how hard they're going to be to knock off. The NFL is back, and after one night, it sure seems like the road to the Super Bowl in Tampa could be headed through the Kansas City Chiefs again. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is... I'm Dan Patrick, and this is...